1: Samela,
0: my Mark
2: Thompson. Make
3: it Get woke. God bless you. Get woke. Folks, MIP is now COVID free, meaning free to all subscribers as we navigate this pandemic. We're thinking about everyone and we've got to get through this together. So for a limited time, no fee to subscribe to make it plain on your favorite podcast app. Ladies and gentlemen, we are less than 100 days from the November election. And someone who just completed a run for Congress in Georgia in the Georgia 7th joins us now but she hasn't stopped even though her race is over she's doing something else very positive she wants to tell us all about of course she's again a former candidate a progressive activist former campaign staffer the daughter of immigrants as well we haven't talked in a while but it's good to have her back here on make it plain nabila islam joins us now nabila how are you
2: Good, excited to be back. Um, as you said, just I just ran for Congress for 15 months, and uh, uh, even though we didn't get the results that we were hoping for, I am uh, trying to do something positive to give back to the progressive community and, and really help people, candidates, cross that finish line as they run for office.
3: So tell us about that. We're talking about the progressive list. What is the progressive list, Nabila?
2: So the Progressive List—it's—it's it's a pack, and we. This is an organization that's going to focus on helping candidates from the very beginning. I believe that you know ha- having that funding and in the early stages of your campaign is crucial to getting good staff, uh, to establishing viability. Um, what we've seen this cycle is uh, a lot of organizations wait until a candidate catches fire, and instit- sometimes it's pretty much too too little, too late. And I think it's so crucial that early dollars. fundamentally important so we're going to help candidates um you know give them money help them raise money um help them start up their campaigns with um good professional staff from the very beginning and then also help them with other organizations as well
3: so as we get ready to to i guess head into november um in terms of the the slate of progressive candidates that uh, are still standing it's a pretty sizable numbers still listening. We
2: have some good candidates out there. Texas, Massachusetts um, are two are two ones that, that I can think of off the top of my head that still have um, general elections and, and primaries to come. And there are some strong progressives um, running in those states. Um, and then people that, that have advanced to their general election as well, um, some progressive candidates, those people will need support as well. And so even though we're starting up in the middle of the general um, we're planning on, you know, helping us uh, select a uh, few candidates uh, during the general election, and by helping them with with money and uh, press and volunteers. So we'll definitely be helping folks uh, the next couple months.
3: AOC has kind of become the face of the current progressive movement. Congratulations, she endorsed you, didn't she? Yeah,
2: very honored to have her support.
3: Is is she also supporting this pack, the Progressive List? Is she helping out with this?
2: Um, I have not spoken to her about it yet, uh, but she has her well, she has her own pack, uh, Courage to Change pack, and that's the one that she endorsed me through. So it was her uh, her pack that endorsed me, and so I think that the there's an ecosystem, right, And within the progressive community, and we need as many players. As, uh, as we can have that will support and uplift candidates. And so um, the Progressive List will be working in conjunction with all these other organizations that are helping candidates. Um, I just feel like we have a unique opportunity. What differentiates us is how we really are gonna help um, these candidates from the very beginning before they even announce that they're gonna run for office to really give them those tools to succeed.
3: Yeah, no, that that's very important. So this is obviously too, this goes beyond November. This is to cultivate and support candidates even for next year and the next cycle too, right?
2: Oh, absolutely, definitely. Um, we are actually about to launch our um, on our website for people to f- you know fill in whether or not they're thinking about if they are thinking about running for office, what office that they're thinking about, and we're going to proactively reach out to people um, to see where they're running for office and, and seeing how we can help them um, before they even announce.
3: So prior well let's say earlier in the campaign we did still see tension between moderate democrats and progressives and we know there's overlap but there's some tension but now correct me if i'm wrong everybody seems to be unified against donald trump i mean is is this probably the closest we've come to unity in some time between moderates and progressives
2: I think so. I think we're definitely seeing um, unity between moderates and progressives. Um, we just saw Biden come out with his plans for how he's going to address climate change. Um, he's moved on that uh, to the left. Um, it sounds like he's he's listening to progressives and some of the things that we want to see um, in the, uh, the upcoming White House um, with him as president and Donald Trump gone. But um, I feel like we are unified definitely against uh, the president that we have now. However, I will say it's very important that um, this can't be another referendum on Trump. Like We have to be talking about our issues and what we're fighting for, because when we don't set the agenda, we concede the agenda to the other party. So um, we definitely need to continue to still talk about the issues at hand that need big solutions.
3: Yeah, Um, and you say not a referendum, just not reacting. We need to be proactive. In terms of our issues, don't no, we need to start? That's one thing about our party. We we always want to play defense. We need to play some offense, don't we?
2: Oh, absolutely, definitely. I we, I think what the problem is either folks are complacent or they're afraid. And I'm my thing is you know we've elected you to be a leader to put you in a position of power. You need to lead. You know you need to need to start speaking up for our communities, even if you feel like this might be a contentious issue for your reelection um we need changes now and incrementalism is just not it's not something that is sustainable it's 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 taking too long i mean people are hurting now and we need to be addressing issues now
3: yeah um and you know to be honest one of the other fears is the cynicism about young voters people think that um young voters aren't gonna come out to vote. They tend to have the most progressive ideas. So folks wanna play it safe with with older voters. But that's changing too. We're seeing more people who are younger become more engaged. And it's kind of a chicken and egg thing. You know, Some people who wanna stay moderate say, well, we've got to appeal to older voters because young voters don't vote. Well, y'all ain't talking about nothing to inspire young voters to come out and vote. But hopefully that's beginning to change, isn't it?
2: Oh, absolutely. Like, you need to give people a reason to vote. And um, if you want to inspire the younger generation, they need to know that you're actually talking about the issues that are affecting their generation. Um, I feel like moderates are, some of them are waking up to that fact that we need to be more bold, that we need to be engaging the younger generation because we're not going to win these races without young people. Um, and I'm very proud of Gen Z. They're super uh, engaged, whether they're using TikTok, which I still don't have an account for, or, or Instagram, they're just very, uh, they're, they're very engaged on social media in a way that I wasn't when I was their age. So um, I'm looking forward to all the work that they're gonna produce. So I'm very excited about them.
3: Well, you and I definitely are not Gen Z if we don't have TikTok, <laughs> but I love it. Nabila, the night of the Tulsa rally, I think I stayed on Twitter all night, watching the young kids just eat Donald Trump alive. It was the most beautiful thing. I mean, I was, and I was calling everybody, I said, you got to get on this and see this. I mean, it's amazing. And it shook him, I, he, he's not recovered since yeah. then. They don't have an answer for that. They do not have an answer for these young kids on uh, on, on TikTok. So no, that, that's a good thing. Um, but Nabila, let's do this because You know, I want my audience in particular to to be clear on the issues that are most important to us as progressives and and how we delineate from the same old, same old. So talk to us about, you know, what are some of the issues that define a true progressive these days when it comes to running for office?
2: I would say, I mean, some of the biggest issues that I focused on myself during my campaign was healthcare, our climate crisis, uh, student debt crisis that we have at hand. Um, were some of the, and then the immigration crisis as well. I lived in one. Of, uh, my district is one of the most diverse districts in the country, and okay. I was from day one. I supported Medicare for all. I don't know how you don't support Medicare for All during a pandemic with millions of people have lost their insurance due to it being tied to employment. We have record unemployment right now. Um, I think what makes a true progressive is someone that isn't, it speaks truth to power and advocates for issues that, or policies that will address the, the issues that we have right now. Uh, and, and another um, problem that I talked about on the campaign was the climate crisis. It's no longer climate change. We need big, bold solutions, and that's why I supported, you know, a Green New Deal. Uh, I think it's imperative that we address um, such a large issue with bold ideas. Uh, I also talked about student debt cancellation and talking about how we need a one-time student debt cancellation because our generation, millennials, uh, and are really suffering from the fact that they can't buy homes, they can't start families because we are bogged down with so much debt. Um, and I feel like, you know, that's something that would certainly not only stimulate the economy, but uplift our generation, uh, most certainly. And also, while we're going through this pandemic, I think it's, it's, it's crucial that pro- true progressives fight for working families, right? And we fight for them tooth and nail, uh, making sure that, you know, we need to be having monthly stimulus checks to families that are hurting right now, working people are hurting, uh, making sure that they have, you know, health care uh, you know, these are some of the things that are, are, seem super simple that you, you would think anyone would talk about. Uh, but for, for whatever reason, whether it's lack of courage or electability, you know, uh, people are not willing to speak about those issues in a, in a strong, powerful way. Um, so those are some of the things that I think are key indicators of, of, of what a true progressive would look like. But just someone that isn't afraid to speak up and, and will speak to, truth to power uh, to what's happening to their communities and won't be afraid. And we'll have the political courage to advocate for big, bold policies because that's the transformational change that we need, not incrementalism.
3: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and you mentioned um, Im- immigrants as well. I mean, that is becoming an even larger part of our population, isn't it?
2: Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I'm the daughter of immigrants. I grew up in a, a county that's the fourth most diverse county in the entire country. of uh, my district uh, was born in a different country, and what we have right now is uh, we need true comprehensive immigration reform. Um, My county that I grew up in has one of the is the highest uh, has the highest number of deportations in the state and in the country as well uh, because of an archaic immigration policy called 287G. Only two percent of counties have them in the entire country, but basically um, our we our sheriffs are deputized to just pick up. People that they think are illegal and uh, essentially, uh, uh, you know, have ICE support deport them. So we've separated so many families. Um, people are afraid of law enforcement uh, for many reasons. And, you know, we really need a pathway to citizenship for the 11 million undocumented people in this country. I grew up um, with many people that were undocumented now are on DACA. Um, and I'm really glad that you know, DACA is safer now. But we need a, a path to citizenship and really get people involved and engaged um, in the political process as well.
3: So wait a minute. The archaic policy in your county, and this is the same county in the 7th District, I presume, right? Okay. Only 2% of the counties have So why is that surviving even in your county? Why is that still in effect?
2: Because we, Republicans have been, uh, you know, controlling all levels of power. And that has changed since 2016. We have become more blue. But we have a Republican sheriff who voluntarily, in 2010, uh, brought in this policy from ICE, uh, where he partnered partnered up with ICE, it's called 287G, and he, uh, which allows, as I mentioned, uh, our local law enforcement to be deputized to do ICE's work. And because of this, we've seen a spike in people being arrested, Um, even if you're driving through Gwinnett County and you get arrested for like your taillight or something, um, and they look you up and you don't have documentation, they can put you in a holding cell and they will call ICE to pick you up and deport you. Um, I've heard countless of stories, like heartbreaking stories of people losing siblings, mothers and fathers. Um, A lot of people have grown up in mixed status families. You take out a parent, you know, everyone suffers. And so it's just been such a debilitating program to our community. And it's, I'm, I'm actually happy because um, the part I'm happy about is the, this Republican sheriff is leaving and we have some really great sheriff candidates who all pledge to end this program once they get elected in November. And I'm actually endorsed one of them, um, Curtis Clemens. But I think what we need is true leadership change. And it happens from the top um, when they implement these policies, but like we can actually move um, and pick, pick the candidates that will reflect our communities and, and work for us.
3: I know you didn't win your race, but did that issue increase in traction this time when you ran in terms of, of, of voters in your race? Were people more attuned to that, aware of it and, and more energized by it, the immigration issue and the deportation issue?
2: Oh, absolutely. You know, this has been going on for the last 10 years. I think it's, it's been going under the radar, but the thing is like when we started talking about it on my campaign in a really powerful way and other activists as well, that this is an issue that we need to clearly end this policy, it's a bad policy. So um, it was something that we all talked about, um, you know, candidates up and down the ballot. And so, yes, it was um, an, an important um, point that people brought up constantly and, and I believe in November Um, it will be very important for all of our candidates to talk about ending this program. And it's a galvanizing issue for sure.
3: The the progressive list. So this will be, will this be candidates, just congressional candidates or candidates up and down the ballot?
2: We'll be candidates up and down the ballot. So federal, state, local. Um, We wanna help transformational candidates from the very beginning, make them into early front runners, help them finish that uh, and cross that finish line I feel like this cycle. I saw multiple candidates with, with that were just missed opportunities. Had we had gotten, had there had there been an organization that had gotten in there early to teach them good habits, how to run a call time operation, how to raise money, how to how to you know execute a, a good field program, and not. And then also there are people, there are sharks out there that will take advantage of you. How to find good staff. I mean, it's so important that you start off on the right foot. Uh, and I I just don't want to see. And I, and I feel like an organization like this would have been super helpful to me. Um, and I, you know, maybe that would have helped close that gap at the very end. Uh, I think, it, and I think, I think it would have, and I want to be able to help, you know, the, the next Nabila or the next Charles Booker or the next Morgan Harper, uh, with, with resources like that so that they can cross the finish line and, and be a voice for their communities.
3: So some of this motivation comes from your personal experience being a candidate.
2: Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, as you mentioned, I, I was a former staffer, so I understood, you know, campaigns a little bit more intimately, uh, but it's a, it's a whole different experience when you're a candidate yourself. Um, what I learned, and I did not realize this, was organizations and a lot of with, it's like people that can help you with resources, you know, money, uh, come in later at the end. And so what ended up happening with me was we ended up sending out um, abs- absentee ballots to voters in April. My election was in June 9th. So we were dropping ballots and then people were, you know, I, I had a huge like, push and momentum, you know, at the end of May, but it was too little too late because people had already started to vote. You see what I'm saying? And so like, I didn't have those resources. Also it didn't help to be running during a pandemic. That was not helpful. Um, and it, and I think everyone has suffered because of this, but um, it was a, a situation that I did not predict. And, uh, but, but the thing is, We need to have those resources before voters are voting. So even though I had it while they were voting, uh, you know, there were some missed opportunities to communicate uh, with voters in a key way. You know, I've been running for 15 months, and so you need to have those resources at the very end when people get that ballot and they'll know who Nabila Islam is on the ballot. Because I tell people all the time, you know, there's this messaging where they're, they're, they say that progressives aren't electable, that moderates are the one that won back the House. If you can, if we are, once we reach parity, because our, our candidates are interesting, our candidates are relatable, our candidates look like our districts. And the moment we reach parity and like, we don't need the most money because we, you know, Honestly, like Amy McGrath had $44 million <laughs> um, compared to Charles Booker who had less than a million. We don't need the most money because our message is so powerful and relates that when what we need to do is, honestly, our voters are just waiting to hear from us. And so if we can just run um, a paid communications plan, a messaging plan where we can communicate with, the, with as many voters as we can, we're gonna win these seats and we're gonna change Congress.
3: Yeah, um, yeah, because Charles came very close, and Charles Booker and Kentucky folks, and I mean, it was almost like a time thing, you know, if, if he could have gotten out there a little bit earlier, uh, or at least been heard about, because again, you're right, it's the messaging, it's the name recognition, you know, people call me all the time, I want to run for office. And I said, well, you realize it's not an emotion, it's a science. And that's what you're saying. I mean, there's actually a real science. That's why it's called political science. And then speaking of up and down the ballot, people call me up and say, I'm going to run for Senate. I was like, well, well, maybe you're not ready for Senate. Just, you know, you can start somewhere else. Everybody just can't leap to the U.S. Senate. So this is important, um, I think, what you're doing um, to to help people get to this place. And, you know, Nabila, too, there's always attrition. I remember when there were blue dogs, when Obama was first in office. They're pretty much gone. So now we have moderates and now we have progressives pretty soon that parity and then that progressive majority i think will be in place i think it's a matter it's a matter of a short period of time don't you
2: oh i think so for sure i, I think for a lot i saw i was reading an article uh, the other day and i think it makes sense to me where a lot of these incumbents are realizing that they don't want to be primary from the left and so they're going to start to be actually start to speak up for their communities in a bolder way um, and, and and hopefully just uh, be more bold and be more progressive. So um, I still think they'll probably get challengers because where were you, you know, yesterday? So but there's a shift and there's a shift towards uh, progressive ideals. And So I'm very hopeful that that attrition will happen and we'll have more progressives in Congress and that they will be the majority.
3: Indeed, indeed, Folks, the Progressive List is the next project Nabila is working on. We invite you to go to ProgressiveList.org. This is, this is a pack. Small dollar donations are welcome, correct? Right. And that's that's one of the great things about a progressive movement, folks. Progressives ain't always hitting us up for $1,000 a month, uh, so people ought to welcome that. Um, uh, as well small dollar donations to help build um, these progressive candidates from now uh, November on into the future you though I, I'm sure the bug is still bitten you you going to run again
2: <laughs> uh, I will I, maybe maybe I think uh, you know I learned a lot on my first race And uh, you know what they say, you know, you don't win. A lot of people don't win the first time. They win their second time. So um, we'll see.
3: Okay. Well, well, good luck to you folks. Again, we invite you to go to progressivelist.org. Get involved. Nabila is going to be helping with uh, these campaigns and supporting these candidates. And it'll be a good place to keep up with all of the progressive candidates that are running, as a matter of fact, up and down the ballot, we have to, you know, it's important. Some of us think still is all I need to do is vote for president. No, you can vote for Senate, you can vote for House, you need to vote for down ballot, state legislature. As we talk about census and redistricting, all of these seats are important. And we want to make sure that there are progressives in each and every one of these seats. So, Nabila, good to talk to you. Keep up. The great work. I know you're going to stay involved in your community and and glad that you're going to stay involved in this progressive political movement and lead it as well. We need you and women like you. Who's your favorite for vice president? Who do you think should be the VP?
2: Barbara Lee, of course.
3: Really? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's funny. I had a conversation with uh, a very prominent African-American politician the other day. I won't mention her name. She wouldn't want me to do that. But she was saying we should have an even broader list of black women candidates. I mean, they narrowed it down to three or four, but why not broad, broaden the list even more? And I said, that's a, that's a good point. Who decides when the list, you know, is cut off? So it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting. Um, and we look forward to seeing and hearing more great things from you. I hope you do run again. You should. We need Nabila Islam in Congress or in the Senate or something like that, I think. OK.
2: You me. <laughs>
3: <laughs> all right, folks, again, ProgressiveList.org. Nabila, thank you so much. OK. All
2: right. Thank you for having me on
3: today. All right. I- Always a pleasure. All right. God, you are our refuge. Send our ancestors to guard our door. Cast out this virus from our communities and our bodies. Heal, bless, and protect everyone listening and their loved ones. Thank you for listening to Make It Plain and Get Woke. Remember to listen, like, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. If all minds are clear, it has been Made Plain.